episode 261, Cloak and Dagger, season one, episode six, Funhouse Mirrors. Welcome to level seven. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. And it's Cloak and Dagger time. And here, sitting in the, the male seat, I'm Cloak. And over in the female seat is Dagger, also known as... Samantha. And hey, I'm, how are you? I'm okay. And I'm, I'm also, I forgot to say, I'm, I'm also known as Ben. But um, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So I bring the darkness. I teleport around. Um, but I'm a generally positive guy. Whereas you tend to uh, be hopeless. And, and yet you've got all this light about you, Samantha. Okay. Not at all. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Hopeless romantic, maybe. I, I don't know. Of course, I'm. Ooh, I don't, nice, nice turnaround, though. I like maybe. That. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, in this point in my life, I don't feel so hopeless about romantic stuff. So, and what I interpret, <laughs> and on top of it, when I think of romantic stuff, I do tend to think of, like, say, the romantic literature era or the romantic movement in art and. <laughs> So the actual, I'm a yeah, hopeless romantic. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah, and and it's, it's it's kind of funny though because yeah, you you are of the two of us probably the more positive, and I'm the more realist, right? Not, True. Not negative at all. No, no. Um, <laughs> but and and <laughs> now that Infinity War is coming gone, I think maybe we are able to put to rest some of our uh, uh, labels that we put on people. Like, <laughs> like the labels that I get put on me by you and You're Stuart, so but it's, it's done now. We've seen it. And, uh, yeah. Um, and those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Well, if you are just joining us for cloak and dagger, um, then you've missed out on the many, many times we have used the Winnie the Pooh metaphor. And so now hopefully we'll find a different metaphor to describe our personality types, but for the time like, being, <laughs> I would like to point out that you brought it up this time. Okay, I. It's just yes, I did. Okay, yes. never mind. Okay, so we're here to talk about cloak and dagger, and surprisingly, Samantha, I, I, I just can't believe it. They finally gave us a good episode, right? Like this is <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this show, I can't believe how well they've been able to maintain the level of quality with the show. I, Maybe that's just the positive optimistic force in me. Well, I mean this, I need to find out more about the showrunners and some of the writers and stuff, but just starting in the writer's room right there. Um, this series of episodes clearly has a strong leader or team of leaders. So maybe, I don't know if it's a two people who are showrunners, three people or whatever, whoever the leaders are, there's some real strength there, but then you're also getting some serious, uh, just very well written, well paced episodes. And then the filming, the cinematography of this stuff is fantastic. And the acting is great. I mean, top to bottom, this show 
I mean, it just feels like it's being put together by uh, a seasoned team who knows what they're doing. And I, I can't believe that they've been able to sustain this level of quality so far. I think the only complaint that I've seen about Cloak and Dagger, uh, and that's partially because I just haven't been looking for complaints, but the only complaint that I've seen has been that it's moving too slow. Mm. I've, I've seen someone uh, with episode five, so the last episode, uh, I just saw one comment on Facebook by someone who I'm, I guess I'm friends with. I don't know who it was and, you know, Facebook friends, quote unquote, but uh, who said, OK, I, I'm done with Cloak and Dagger. This is just moving too slow. And I'm just, I'm just thinking, how, how? <laughs> this is every yeah. episode is good. Yeah. We're moving slowly as far as the mystery goes. And it's not a, a villain of the week, uh, which is interesting. You know, there, there's not like, um, a, a new challenge every episode where cloak and dagger have to use their powers to stop this thing. Uh, they're still discovering their powers. They're learning about each other. Uh, it's, it's a relationship being built up and, yeah, I. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, as far as your question of the producers, um, Joe Pokaski is the executive producer, and he was also a writer and producer on Heroes and Daredevil. Hmm. Well. And CSI crime scene investigation. Okay, I mean, which so that, I don't. I, yeah, I don't watch a lot of that, but. But there's definitely pedigree there. Yes. I mean, there's there's some strong, strong stuff that he's worked on. Um, I mean, even even Heroes at its worst wasn't ter- well. No, that's not true. At its worst, it was terrible. But it <laughs> it wasn't terrible often. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, so that right there, you know, that's just one member of the team. Uh, yes. But it's a, it's a high a high up member of the team. Um, yes. Which now it makes sense why it feels like Cloak and Dagger and the Netflix series are trying to connect. Yeah, well, not just the Netflix series, though. I, uh, I mean, the, they're connecting with everything. I haven't seen any reference to um, Infinity War. Well, and I, I don't think we will. Okay. I, I really I, – I, I think that this will finish and we won't hear anything about Infinity War. And we may not even hear like a name of an Avenger. But this is definitely in that world. That that's what I'm saying is okay. You know the and, and you know the, the rocks on stuff. I mean that's definitely tying into movies. Shield Carter. Um, then we had the stuff last episode with with Luke Cage, and yeah, I mean they. It, it feels connected. Um. <laughs> The only thing they haven't really done is they haven't like name dropped, uh, you know, people from Runaways or something like that. But um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but but it feels it definitely feels connected. It, it's yeah. you know it, as much as you can without just saying, "Hey, what about the green guy?" This feels like the M- MCU for sure, and okay. I, I appreciate that. I really do. I, I appreciate that a lot that they're doing that. Um, do you know uh, the direct Roxxon connection with uh, the Netflix series? That's like a big connection. Uh, and it, it's to do with Daredevil season one. So, yeah, wasn't there a court case? It was a court case yeah. involved, and Foggy and Matt both interned at Roxxon. 
Yeah, they worked on a case for Roxon. For Roxon, okay. Yeah. And then there's other things. I'm not sure. I cannot remember for the life of me right now about a very particular connection within the Netflix Netflix series. And I want to wait for the time being because I'm not sure if it's a spoiler or not. But we're going to get to it soon because uh, I believe we're covering the Defenders um, after Cloak and Dagger ends for the season. Uh, uh, but uh, the other thing I'll, I'll throw out there is, and we've talked about this already, is uh, Cloak's power feels like it's a, of a piece with the Dark Force stuff that was was happening in, in Agent Carter. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just... And, and so they, they're doing that in the same way that opening a portal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Ghost Rider looked like Doctor Strange. You know, it it looks like it belongs in the same place, even if it's not the exact same thing. You know, it's it still feels like, OK, this this belongs here. And yeah. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. I mean, there's just so much to like about the show. If you're a fan of the MCU, there's so much to like about the show. If you're a fan of just Marvel in general and, and the Marvel characters. Um, although I guess maybe that could be a, another complaint. Could be not one that I have, but could be uh, the they deviate from the source material, mm. but that's not a complaint that I have as a fan of the source material. I mean, I like a cloak and dagger and, and I collected some of them when I was younger and I have the full runs now and I'm making my way through them. Um, but I could see someone who, you know, collected all the issues when, as they were coming out um, saying, Oh, not my cloak, not my dagger. I could see that. Mm. So, Here's what I'm, uh, I'd like to ask. Do you think um, Tandy and Tyrone are tapping into magical powers? Well, funny you should bring that up because – and uh, you know, this, this ties in directly to this episode. This episode had uh, – they quoted the line again. They quoted the magic. No, not magic. Science we don't understand. Ah, uh, true. They Which qu- – uh, Oh, goodness. Somebody wrote in about that a couple weeks ago. Well. And I wanted to give them a no prize, but I can't remember <laughs> who it is right now. <laughs> well, strictly oh, speaking, I don't normally do a retroactive no prize anyway. Yeah. And so. I think he was talking ab- and he was talking about a- Avengers Infinity War and not Cloak and Dagger. But oh. still, that was a really good connection. Well, I just find it really interesting. They use that line in this episode it it was um tandy was saying the bees disappeared like magic or something like that and then um uh, mina says uh not magic science we don't understand you know something like that and then the whole framework of this episode as we're going from act to act to act we start with avita and her aunt and they're doing tarot card readings or not tarot card, but they're, I mean, they're using the deck of cards and they're doing basically a card reading. And mm-hmm. so she's performing this magic ritual, this voodoo magic ritual. That is it not magic then? Is this also science we don't understand? Because what else would it be? You know, it's very interesting that they, uh, it's no mistake, I should say, that they use that science we don't understand line in this episode where they really focus in on the um 
the voodoo type of magic that the auntie does. Hmm. Uh, and so I, it does make me wonder, okay, so how does this work? In, in the MCU, this voodoo-style magic works. You know, she's telling the future. She can sense things. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing where she has power and the cards allow her to focus her power. You know, I mean, that, that, that could be it where it's the cards don't do anything. The cards are Dumbo's feather. You know, it, all it does is make her feel like she's doing something where the power is manifesting itself. Um, and so I'm really hoping that they explore that more with with this episode, I mean, with this series, rather. And, you know, because Doctor Strange, magic, we don't understand because it's science we don't understand, rather. And Thor, you know, it's it's science we don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm curious where they go with that. Yeah. And true, I think there, yeah, like as as you were just saying, you can, you can reach into a lot of places in in the MCU and say, yes, this is magic we just haven't been able to explain yet. But um, as far as the cards go, um, those playing cards that we know commonly now, um, I explained this to I think Stuart a few episodes ago, um, that those were the original tarot cards. And then they became more commonly used as playing cards. And somebody came up with all those really pretty pictures for the tarot cards. Um, and I knew somebody in high school who kind of messed, who dealt with the tarot cards. And she said it's more about the um, the randomization of the cards and the way that they're laid out. Um, and the person who's reading it and how they're interpreting it in a certain situation. Um, that it's really just a way for the randomness of the universe to guide them in a certain direction. I, I just always think of the song by sting from, uh, 10 summoners tales. And it says, I know that the spades are the swords of the soldier. I know that the wait, no, the clubs are the weapons of war. I know that diamonds mean money for this art, but that's not the shape of my heart. Ah, yes. I love that song. I love that album. Oh my goodness. That album, so good. So, so good. Which album is this? Ten Summoner's Tales. Ten uh, Summoner's Tales. It's from 92. Okay. Uh, the year I graduated, that's how I know 92. But it's the one that has Fields of Gold on it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a but- it, wonderful album. Just a great album. So okay, I will listen to that later because I, I generally like his stuff. Oh, do, do. It is. Yeah. I, I think it's the best he's ever done. Uh, Mercury, okay, cool. Mercury rising, rising is close, but, but 10 summer's tales is, is the best of sting even better than anything by the police. So, okay. Well, we're not here to talk about sting. Usually we are going to, we, we would say, uh, we're not here to talk about star Trek, but, um, <laughs> Stuart's not here. So we're going to talk about sting, I guess. Uh, we are here to talk about Funhouse mirrors. And when you look in a funhouse mirror, you see a distorted reflection of yourself. And that's what's really interesting about this episode is that all three of our primary characters are taking on a distorted reflection of themselves as they basically present themselves as someone that they are not uh, to get what they need to get. And again, I just 
okay, so that sentence I just said, right? That's all on purpose. I'm not bringing, I mean, I'm bringing interpretation to it, but that's interpretation that I believe they want you to bring to it. And that one sentence, just to me, as I'm saying, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like they're, they've done so much. I mean, it's, it's rich, it's deep, it's fun. Uh, yeah. And so we get an episode where we have three people who are acting like someone they aren't uh, to varying degrees of success. So our, uh, cold open though is Avita and her aunt and, um, she, her aunt connects, uh, senses a connection rather to a power that Avita has, um, and then she says to to look into the past and we look into the present and that helps us to see the future. And she starts flipping the cards. She starts flipping the cards and she's doing a reading. Um, we don't know exactly what she's trying to read right now, but it definitely has to do with Tyrone for sure. Um, so that's our framework. And as we move into act one, we have um, Tyrone. And he's spying on his, his brother's friend. He's asking his brother's friend for a job. He approaches him um, as, as the brother's friend is talking to someone about product. Uh, and then he's trying to convince the friend to give him a job because he knows his brother's friend uh, is working with the cop who killed the brother. Uh, and the cop who killed the brother is has an arrangement with uh, – Billy's friend to not not bother them. He gets a cut, um, but that's that's the guy who has the uh, construction business. So he says, "I want a job," and his the guy's like, "Ah, oh, you want a job doing construction? No, I I want a job, you know, doing doing other stuff." And he's like, "No, sorry, no job." So he follows the guy with the product, and then the guy with the product catches Tyrone, and he. Um, threatens him and Tyrone does not disappear. So that's, uh, that's Tyrone's actions in act one. Um, Tandy, meanwhile, is pretending to be an intern for Mina Hess and she, Mina's not into it. doesn't want it. She's oh, I'm sorry to waste your time. And then Mina gives in. She says, all right, fine. Come on, let's go. And so now Tandy is in. And finally, we have O'Brien, who is causing problems for the people on the force because she's looking into Connors. And she's like, the the guy, I can't remember his name now, but um, the guy who's been helping her. No, the guy who's been helping her is, you know, people turn a blind eye to things that are going on around here. And you're forcing them to look. And you shouldn't do that. Is this Officer Fuchs? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the name. So... That's our three people. We've got O'Brien with Connors. We've got Tyrone with Billy's friend. And we've got Tandy with Mina. We've got the setup. And they're all ready to go. And they're all kind of presenting themselves as someone that they're not. And in Tandy's case, like 100% presenting herself as someone that she's not. (laughs) So uh, Tandy and Tyrone meet at the church. And, uh, they, they talk through, um, what, what they're going to do here. Uh, Tyrone says, I tried to con my way in, but there's no openings. And so Tandy says, you got to create your own openings. Um, 
And so he's like, so I should sell the drugs. And she's like, yeah, you should. And, and then she's putting on waiters because Mina Hess works in swamps and deals with nature and has given her a list of things that she needs to buy. If she's going to be an intern with her in the swamp. And I'm not going to lie. There's a little part of me that said, Ooh, swamp, swamp monsters. <laughs> Could we see a swamp monster? We almost kind of do later, but not quite, but almost. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where we, they, they help each other all the time like this, you know? And, and so, Yeah. Tandy goes to an abandoned theme park where Mina is making cookies and Tandy takes in all of it where this lady's living. There's blueprints. There's cookies. There's a picture of Mina's dad. There's a model of the oil rig. And uh, she's she's taking it all in as she's lying to Mina. Meanwhile, Tyrone spies on the drug people. And O'Brien talks shop with Connors. And Connors is like, hey, come with me. Because we both love drugs and we're both cops. So come on. So they're going to ride together. Hmm. It's interesting that we're talking about magic in this, especially with this episode, and there's card readings and mm-hmm. such. But the title is Funhouse Mirrors, which really isn't magical at all. It might seem like it, but it's it's really just a metaphor for lying. Well, and illusion. I mean, what is magic? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is stage magic? Oh, it's um, illusion. Yeah, it's it's illusion and misdirection. Uh, if you've, well, <laughs> not going to say anything right now because we haven't released our Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. But um, yeah, that's uh, the Funhouse Mirror is an illusion. It distorts your perception. And as you look into it, you, you see something that is not an accurate reflection. Um I mean, technically speaking, a mirror itself is not an accurate reflection. It's the opposite. True. And what's interesting is, um, you know, that's why you do a mirrored uh, image on your phone is because as you're looking at it, it can look strange to not look into a mirror. When you actually see the accurate reflection, which is what your phone would give you if it was just, you know, the camera itself. Uh, or if you, for, I don't know, for women, how this exactly would work but for men who part their hair if they part their hair on the other side and look into the mirror it's a little disorienting even though what you're seeing in the mirror is actually closer to what other people see when they look at you actually that's the 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 flipping from left to right thing doesn't bother me what bothers me is that um the lens on uh smartphones uh it's a uh fisheye lens type thing and so if you have the the phone too close to your face, your nose looks huge. Huh. <laughs> so I don't always trust that. I prefer to just trust a mirror. Well, again, the the funhouse effect. Again, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, again, I just I I'm enjoying what's happening here, although right now um I'm not sure what's going on yet, what's going to happen. Um but we've again got three separate storylines that reflect each other and that parallel each other and then sometimes cross over a little bit with each other. O'Brien hasn't crossed over yet, but she will. Um, but I, I'm wondering how is she going to cross over? Mm. 
So that's that's act two. So well, we'll- I, I'd like to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, those cookies, Mina had me at cookies. <laughs> I love a good cookie. Well, let's park on Mina a little bit. Like, don't you okay. like her? I mean, oh, I love her. Yeah, I, I almost feel bad for her knowing Tandy is going in lying and I'm hoping, OK, well, what's going to happen? You know, is is there going to be a friendship here? Because um, that's the other thing that's happening as far as Funhouse Mirrors is Mina is a reflection of who Tandy could have been. We talked about this a little bit last episode, but um, Mina, her family was taken care of. Uh, now, her father didn't die. I think we th- might have thought that he died, or at least I think I thought he died last episode when they talked about it. But um, they were taken care of. She's working for Roxon. She is who Tandy could have been if Tandy hadn't had the the accident happen. And then you have the same thing with uh, Billy's friend. So Tyrone's talking to his older brother's friend, and he's looking at someone whose life he could have had uh, if Billy had not died. If Billy had not died, would Billy and Tyrone have stuck around in that area? Would they have stuck around with those friends? And I mean, they, they talk about it explicitly uh, that they just went different paths. And uh, Tyrone actually says, I'm just wondering if I chose the wrong path. Uh, and, and you kind of get the impression almost that Billy's friend is like, I want to protect this guy from getting involved with what I'm getting involved with. But you have this, th- they could be each other. Um, it, yeah. And then, uh, maybe, maybe even a little bit with O'Brien and Connors, um, you know, Connors and O'Brien are doing the same things, but for very different reasons. So as she's doing what she's doing, she's doing it to get Connors, uh, and to, you know, get him to, to slip up or to find out more about what's going on with him. Um, but she's doing it because she's trying to do good and he's doing it because he's completely selfish. If not totally evil, definitely completely selfish. Here's something else that that you, uh, when you brought up Mina's family was taken care of by Roxxon after the explosion. So the Hesses were, Roxxon took care care of the Hesses. Roxxon, it's it's been hinted at, it hasn't been confirmed, but Roxxon also helped the Johnsons, Tyrone's family. Mm Um. Helped them get better jobs, get out of the ward where they were living before. Um, but they didn't help the Bowens. They didn't help Tandy's family. As a matter of fact, it looks like they have made it their jobs to try to discredit and keep them poor. Yeah, I find that interesting. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to be overlooked later. I, I, I'm certain there's a reason that Roxanne did that, and they did it on purpose. Yeah, I th- I think a big part of it is, you know, it's their poison. Uh, yes. The, the father was bad, did this bad, bad thing. Uh, although we find out here in this episode that actually he he was recognizing the problem. He was recognizing there was a problem in what they were doing. And so you have Mina actually working on fixing the problem that caused the explosion. So she's actually working on what um, Tandy's father was saying they needed to work on. Yes. And so that's kind of another interesting uh, connection there. But yeah, he 
he's poisoned. He caused this problem. Why would they help someone who his? Why would they help someone's family when that someone is someone who was not you know un, unethical or um, you know cost them a lot of money, uh, cost them a lot of PR problems, and he was the scapegoat. He was the easy scapegoat. He wasn't alive to defend himself, but Tandy was left behind. She's the round to defend him. So, and it, it gives her a good motivation when they set her up as a character who is basically a street urchin, you know, who's running around stealing things and, and doing bad things. Uh, why would she try and, and put herself on the line to do something good, like take down Roxxon or, or expose them or whatever. Well, they give her a good reason. And that is it all started with them, with, with them and what, what they did with her dad when that accident happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to find, to finding out so much more. <laughs> I know about Roxxon's motivations here. Yeah. Because I mean, they've got Mina working for them. And in some ways, I guess the corporation is just there to make money, you know, so that could be a, a big part of it. But yeah, uh, let's see here. So as we move into act three, uh, we haven't really talked about the reading. Uh, Avita's aunt has a, feel, a feeling that something big is coming, something bad is going to happen. Um, and Tyrone is involved. And so in act three, as the reading continues, um, we, they bring up the idea of the divine pairing. What is the divine pairing? Well, it's something that's happened often, apparently. And cloak and dagger aren't the first divine pairing. Um, but then the question is, who's the other? Well, I think it's safe to assume that, that Tandy is the other. Um, for us, we have the, the knowledge of the title of the TV show uh, that <laughs> uh, Avita's auntie doesn't have. But... Um, they they're wondering who's the other, and I get the impression almost that they're wondering: Is Avita the other? Could she be the other? Hmm. Would she want to be the other? I guess what what it comes down to it. I don't know because in the very in the cold open, um, the aunt or auntie, uh, she says specifically that there is a power tied to Avita, or or that Avita is close to a power, but not that she is the source of the power. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely. Um, contaminated by it um because that's when they make the joke like uh she's she's like uh are you trying to give me the talk quote unquote the talk because if you're giving me the talk then your reading is actually about the past um implying that she and, and tyrone <laughs> have had relations um but then that's where auntie says well i don't i don't smell sex on you i i sense a connection to the power on you yeah um yeah so the divine pairing, uh, is, is that the, uh, I don't know, is that the, uh, the doublement version of, of the, uh, the Messiah, the one, you know, so there's, there's always the one, you know, the prophesied one. Well, mm. this is the divine pairing of the two. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's, it's, it, yeah, that's one interpretation. Yeah. I mean, instead of Neo. Instead of Anakin or Luke, um, it's it's Tandy and Tyrone. Yeah, because uh, something's coming and they're tied into it. When bad things happen, New Orleans takes care of itself in some ways. It almost feels like is what they're saying. Um, 
And boy, oh boy, do they, that might be one complaint about this episode is every character, it seems like says, yeah, New Orleans, you know, bad things come and that they, they take it, you know, they just take it and they, they continue and they build up. And, um, I mean, they were repeating each other's lines in, in this, uh, just, just talk about how New Orleans is basically, I, I guess in some ways, a the city version of, of the people that we're talking about here. Maybe there's yeah. another funhouse mirror involved where we look at the city and we see the individuals as well. Well, that probably is actually just generally true for new Orleans. Cause if you ever read its history, it has, it's a, it, there have been some really terrible things that have happened in that city and it always seems to bounce back in some way. Yeah. This show actually, caused me to think about this and then a podcast i was listening to about chicago uh actually kind of strengthened and reinforced that the idea of um a city as an entity uh that has its own personality and i I, i'd be very interested but i wouldn't have the time to like sit down and like really dig into uh, you know, the city history of New Orleans and Chicago and New York and the, uh, Los Angeles, you know, and these these places, these big places with these big personalities. Um, but the same thing happens in small, small places as well. They have a group personality that, yeah, not everyone has the same personality, but the place, because of everyone who has these different personalities, the place still ends up with its own personality. Yes. And, and that's definitely what they're referring to here about New Orleans. Um, but it's Mina and it's Billy's friend and it's, you know, it's all these different, really the side characters as they're talking to our main characters um, who are really bringing this up. But yeah, so for act three, we have Tandy and Mina in the river and we get the story of B. Arthur, which <laughs> that's fun, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I really do. Anytime there's a Golden Girls reference, I am totally there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is where they, we have that first conversation where they're talking about the bees disappearing. And, um, you know, Mina also, she's she's playing a little bit of a, a, a character because uh, Tandy brings up Mina's uh, doctoral thesis. And, and Mina pretends like she doesn't know what she's talking about. And then we find out that um, Mina's actually letting Tandy dig a hole for herself by going on and talking about this, you know, her own doctoral thesis. And uh, and then Mina comes out. Yeah, I, I know you read it now. That's good. That's good. You uh, passed, you know. And so Mina doesn't just have book smarts. She's also street smart. Yes. Actually, it's funny you would say that because when I was thinking about Tandy, I was thinking Tandy has street smarts and book smarts. But she's not very good at what she does in this episode. Um, and I'll, I'll get to why when we get there, but, okay. um, this brings up kind of a funny thing though, that happened to me. I was editing, uh, a graphic novel for a, a company and it was a, a nonfiction biography piece. And they brought up some information about one of the people. And I was just like, I gotta look this up and make sure this is accurate. And so I look it up and I find a source book and I realize the wording in the graphic novel that I'm editing and the wording in the source book are identical. Uh-oh. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? This can't be because the person that, that I was editing who had written it is like this 
very well-known um, investigative reporter, and he's making you know this this transition over into writing graphic novels and stuff. And I'm just like, I can't believe this. Um, but then I looked at the the name of the writer of the source material. It was the same guy. Oh, <laughs> like, well, he he still has to cite himself. Well, he was using. I, I don't know if he. In this case, I don't think so. I mean, this is dialogue. Okay. This is this was dialogue in a comic book. Okay. okay. Yeah, and and so it wasn't like you know it wasn't like another nonfiction book where it was it was like he was just using his head knowledge. I mean, th- this is just him writing what he writes. And I was like, oh, okay. This is. I thought it was really really funny, but. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good, because I, uh, I once almost got on academic probation because I. <laughs> I basically quoted myself uh, from one paper, one paper in one semester, and then the next paper uh, following semester. And yeah, <laughs> you can get in trouble for doing that, even though it's you quoting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think academia is a little different, though, than um, pop—not pop culture, but. Yeah, pop pop literature, yeah. I guess. But anyway, I thought it was really funny. I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to tell the publisher. I'm gonna have to like, <laughs> this isn't good." And and then I finally looked at the because it was a it was a Google book that I was looking at, and so it just showed me the page where the quote came up. And and then when I finally looked deeper to find, okay, so what is this from? Oh, oh, it's the same guy. Okay, yeah, so. So it's it would be sort of like if Arthur C. Clarke said that magic is uh, just science that we haven't recognized exactly, yet. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And if I wasn't familiar with that, and then I'm like, oh, I wonder where that came from. Is that you know? And then look it up. <laughs> he totally stole that. Oh, from himself. Yeah. <laughs> Although everybody uses it in Marvel now. Yeah. I mean, and they're not citing it. <laughs> Well, Arthur C. Clarke is, was a really smart guy with a really active imagination. Yeah, and they cited him the first time they said it. Yeah. Um, they just don't continue to cite it. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so as Mina and Tandy are walking through the swamp, uh, Mina wants to show uh, Tandy this valve that she has created, which preserves nature while they drill. And then says, we aren't drilling for oil. It's something hotter than oil, and regular drills can't drill for it. And that's what happened with the oil rig, was mm-hmm. they were drilling for it. And, and Tandy's father, um, who, as Tandy drops her dad's name and blames him, pretending not to know who he is, Mina says, no, my dad said that Tandy's dad never made a miscalculation in his life. And... So he was the one who said, we have to stop. And of course, we saw that. We saw the phone call where he's, he's saying, we, we have to stop. This isn't, this isn't good. Um, then we find out the heat shield isn't working. And, and this is where Tandy maybe, I mean, what she did was good and was very helpful. But she's skating on thin ice because she's revealing a little bit too much truth. Mm-hmm. Um, because she figures out that the valve is in the wrong place just by looking at the blueprints. And so is, I, I don't thought you're going to say that, that Picard was going to send Jordy LaForge down to fix the heat shield. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there you go, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a guy named Stan who 
he's the guy who got it wrong and, and they placed it in the wrong place. His license plate says Stan Man. Oh. So. Here's I'm my, tired of him already. Yeah, well, but here's the question. Is this the Stan Lee cameo? I mean, he's not playing the character, but Stan Lee is known as Stan the Man. Oh, uh, maybe. That could be a reference to him. I think it is, even though they put it on a real jerk who, if I saw a real guy named Stan who had his license plate that said Stan Man, eh, mm. yeah, maybe we could be friends, but I really need to get to know you and find out if you're, are you the kind of guy who I would think would put Stan Man on his license plate or are you the kind of guy I could get along with? Because this guy, yeah. I would not be able to get along with. I'd want to. Because I want to get along with everyone. I'm that kind of person. I, I want to. I just can't. And Tandy can't either. She pops his tire as as they leave. Takes her, her uh, cane umbrella thing and pops the tire on his car. <laughs> Actually, that's really <laughs> difficult to do. Well. Yeah. I mean, maybe the cane is a special one. I This is her walking stick, though, right? Wouldn't that have like a more a pointed thing on it? Well, yeah. Um, walking sticks for actually going hiking in the woods. Yeah, it, it is more pointed instead of like a blunt to like, say, city walking cane. Or an umbrella, um, like I said. Or an umbrella, yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, realistically, if you want to deflate somebody's tire, unless you have a really, really sharp knife, the easiest way to do it is to, you know, unscrew the the valve and. You just press down the little point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Well, we're going to give it to her because it's funny. Okay. Yeah. And it's Stan Man. I mean, the guy has Stan Man as his license plate. Yeah. No. <laughs> they don't call them vanity plates for nothing. Yeah. So, um, O'Brien then, uh, Connors thinks she's looking for a hit and they, they have this really interesting conversation and the, the crux of the conversation comes down to, he says, you start thinking like the other guy, you start living longer. And she says, you start thinking like the other guy, you start becoming him. Hmm. And Again, this is kind of getting into that funhouse mirror kind of thing. Um, no matter what, as you start thinking like the other guy, you start acting like the other guy. In his view, you live longer because you know, you know the score. You know what's going on. You know how these people act, and you're able to act accordingly. The implication from him is not only act accordingly, but you know, becoming that that guy. But you're surviving. With her, when she points out you you are becoming him, that's not good. You know, you, you shouldn't want to become the other guy when they're not good. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's kind of like uh, you've read Ender's Game, right? Um, no. <sighs> I'll tell you later why I'm. It's a sh I'm. It's a shame why I have not. But I have a brother who's an officer in the military. He's read it. I have an older brother who's obsessed with Orson Scott Card. I. Between those two, I know enough. <laughs> well, in that he is, trying yeah, to, I, he's trying to figure out. Ender is trying to figure out how to fight 
enemies. And one it's of the on th- my audible list, okay? okay. <laughs> it is. <laughs> one of the things that he says is to really know someone, you have to love them. Yeah. Which kind of gets in the way of, you know, wanting to kill them as your enemy. But um that's kind of the idea here, you know, is you start becoming the other person. You start thinking like them, you become them. Um and it's just that kind of deeper level here that we're going to get into. She at least is aware of this and she's not going to become hopefully become the person that she's thinking like, because he says, you start thinking like the other guy he's talking about the people on the street. She's talking about him. She's thinking like him. And, uh, then they see the drug guys. That's in my notes. I just put the drug guys, uh, but there's the group of guys. One of them is carrying the backpack that has drugs in it. And so they see them, they break them up, they run away. And the guy who had the backpack drops the backpack. She takes the backpack and tosses it. Uh, and then Tyrone picks up the bag of drugs. And that's what he, he, that was the moment he was waiting for. He didn't know what the moment was that he was waiting for, but this was clearly it. Um, so then Connors goes, beats up the guy and is saying, you know, Hey, uh, this is a good thing that I'm doing here. I'm beating you up, but I, you know, I'm, so uh, it's, it's good. You know, this is actually protection. This is actually good for you and your people to know, you know, that I'm beating you up for a good purpose so that, uh, it looks like I'm, I'm against you and not for you, but I'm actually for you. Um, and then, um, when when O'Brien gets there, she's like, well, I don't have a drug. So they have to let the guy go. Mm. So they he goes. And. Yeah, this is this is a problem for Connors. You know, O'Brien is, is a problem for Connors and it's going to be a problem for the other guys as well. O'Brien. But, yeah. O'Reilly. O'Reilly. I keep saying, O'Brien. O'Brien. Star is Trek. A- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> um, I, so I wasn't on the ep- on on the podcast episode for the episode where I don't think I was, but the episode where O'Reilly is trying to get in Connor's good graces, and she's in the evidence room snorting the drugs. Yeah. Do you think it was some other powder than the drugs, or do you think that she was actually snorting drugs? Well, I mean, I I don't know, and this actually would be something really interesting to find out. Um, yeah. Because she's talking about how you know the in in Harlem she wasn't allowed to actually do the drugs with the dealers that she was trying to bust when she was undercover. But then they're talking about there are people who, if you didn't take a snort before you went in the room, they weren't going to let you in the room. True. And and so she you know, I, I'm curious, is there like is there a fake, you know, that you can pull out and and use if you're trying to go undercover or something? I, I don't know. But um, um, I think for certain movies like or even for example, example for the show, you can use powdered milk. Interesting. Um, I, I don't want to try it, but that's very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't want to either because. <laughs> I have sinus issues with dairy products, so I have to be careful. That's that's like, bam, right there. Hey, let's put the dairy product in your sinus. Um, Yeah, where where some people have like uh, lactose intolerance, if I drink milk, my sinuses get very clogged up. So, I mean, it's still technically an allergic reaction. Both reactions are, are allergy issues. 
but <laughs> so basically you can't like play the part. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah, I, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I mean, whatever she's doing, she's doing enough to trick him in the same mm-hmm. way that she would be tricking, you know, a, an actual drug dealer on the street, uh, by, by doing that. And so I don't know, is, is she tricking him by snorting something illegal or is she tricking him by, you know, uh, what I was, I don't think they'll do this, but I was wondering like, okay, so are they going to do a, a drug test episode? Like after they bust him and then they give her the drug test, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's been f- four months and she's, there's nothing showing up here, you know? Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know because again, she has to do these things in order to get in with him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'd be more interested if later down, later on down the road, we find out that she has an addiction issue to the drugs because of her work. Yeah. I mean, they're already talking about it. Yeah. I mean, and she's talking about it as if she knows it, but again, is that her undercover? You know, is is that her uh, doing the lie? I mean, she's definitely lying to him about a lot of stuff, but maybe not everything. And there are some people that they don't have, they, it's rare. It's super rare, but there are some people that they can do drugs and then just give it up one day. Yeah, or I, maybe she just doesn't do it enough for for it to become a real addiction issue. That's, I don't know. That's probably the more likely situation. Ah, okay. So speaking of drugs, uh, Tyrone, he's got the bag. He's taken off with it, and he gets caught by the guy who was supposed to deliver it, and he touches him. And it was really hard to see for me what was actually going on in this guy's fear, but you hear. Um, it, it's almost like the beginning of, uh, um, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't remember which one, but where it's the one, two, he's coming for you. Oh three. gosh. It's, it's totally like that scene because you got a tisket, a tasket, oh, a yeah, red yeah. basket. Um, so that song is going in the background. A little kid is saying it. And then there's kind of this monstery kind of thing that's coming toward him. And I'm wondering, is this monster going to touch him and he's going to start burning because he knows fear? Because whoever knows fear burns at the man thing's touch. Mm. Like that's that's just proven fact from comic books. And if we were going to get the man thing in a TV show, this is it. I mean, we spent half this episode in a swamp. We, we don't get it. But but if we were, this would be it. If, if we did. Well, you know that song, A Tisket, A Tasket? Mm-hmm. Um, that song is actually about um, someone losing their favorite basket and they put out this ad in, say, the newspaper to try to find the basket and they think um, it, was lost some, it was lost in a public area and somebody picked it up and took it. Hmm. So the lyrics are... A tisket, a tasket, a green and yellow basket. I wrote a letter to my mom, and on the way I dropped it. I dropped it, I dropped it, and on the way I dropped it, a little boy, he picked it up and put it in his pocket. And Ella Fitzgerald made it popular. And the only reason I was able to say those lyrics so quickly is because Wikipedia. <laughs> and awesome. that's, that's how I know Ella Fitzgerald as well, because Wikipedia. Yeah. Ah, but look at this. They wrote a follow-up song called 
I found my yellow basket. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I love it when a song gets a sequel. Like, (laughs) like it's my party. I'll cry if I want to. Mm -hmm. And then you get the sequel song. It's Judy's turn to cry. (laughs) Like, I really wonder if like people write in and they're like, oh, man, that's too bad. You know, and she's like, no, I want people to be happy. We got to take some power back from Judy. Okay, I, now I after we get done here, I'm going to go back and listen to those songs and. Yeah, no, it's it's a direct sequel. Yeah, it's, okay. It's, it's my party. I'll cry if I want to, and it's Judy's turn to cry. Judy's turn to cry. Judy's turn to cry because Johnny came back to me. It's a very happy song about sadness, <laughs> so, which kind of describes a lot of oldies. But. Yeah. So that is Act Three. Act Three, the Stand Man and the Swamp Monster, maybe. <laughs> Act Four. You want it so hard, don't you? You want Swamp Thing so hard. Oh, see, here's the thing, Samantha. They haven't asked me to write anything for the MCU, but when they do, when they do, it will include a Swamp Monster that okay. burns people when it touches them. When it they was ask referenced me. in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he his face was in Thor Ragnarok, yeah. Yes, and and reference in Agents of Shield. I mean, Man Thing exists in this universe. Um, we just have yet to see him. Yes. So, Act Four: The Divine Pairing will save them. When? Who knows when? Is there a point of no return? Yes, there's always a point of no return. <laughs> it's called the end. That's uh. Wisdom from the auntie. Uh, They talk about energy builds, energy releases, and that is the reading that we get. So we go back to Tyrone, though. Tyrone brings the bag to his friend. He's all, your boy dropped this at the first sign of the cops. You want a reward or something? He's like, I want to do what you want to do or what you do. And so he goes on a run with Billy's friend. And he's like, you can come with me, see what it's like, and then you decide. And, uh, yeah, so this is where we get another uh, monologue about uh, New Orleans being a city of survivors. And they talk, he talks about energy builds up and it comes out somehow. Whatever you put out comes back. It always comes back. And they talk about justice and how justice is for white people in, in another place. And, and that's just as they're driving. I mean, there's a lot of conversation going on there. Um, but that's Tyrone. And, and Billy's friend, which I really wish I would have written down the guy's name because <laughs> I'm calling him Billy's friend a lot. Billy's friend. Oh, uh, let's see. I have the cast list here. Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne. OK, so now I don't need to call him Billy's friend. But yeah. So, again, I just get the impression that Dwayne is really not wanting Tyrone to be a part of what he's doing. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, it's a dangerous thing to do. It's. It's not good. Um, it might also be a guilt issue because his friend, who is very protective of his, of his younger brother, is now gone. And now Dwayne feels guilty about it and wants to protect the younger brother. Well, we're going to find out more about that guilt, too. Ah, that's true. Yeah. 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 So, meanwhile, Mina is, hey, where did you learn how to read a blueprint? And uh, 
at some point in here, Tandy, Tandy talks about there's a guy who used to make science fun and and then she keeps pushing the dad questions. And can I talk to your dad sometime? I like to talk to your dad about that other person who I'm not related to, you know, that, that Bowen guy. Um, and just as she brings that up, a bee shows up and and lands on her and she's trying to reach out and touch Mina's hand, but can't. And, and when the bee shows up, she decides not to, but when they get back to Mina's house, there were just plain too many questions about Mina's dad. And Mina calls out Tandy and Mina is smart. She actually figures out that, that you're Tandy Bowen. Like this lady, she's, she's Sherlock Holmes. I mean, um, she figures it out and it is, this is where I think just all these questions about dad, dad, dad. I'm wondering, is this bad scripting? It's not. It's not bad scripting. Uh, it's it's character driven. Uh, Tandy is just, I don't know if she's too close to the subject matter, but she's not a very good uh, liar in this case. And Mina calls her out. I like Mina. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we get to see lots more of her. She's fun. So that's that's the okay. So that's our teenagers. Uh, meanwhile, Connors warns his guy, um, Dwayne, what's going on. So that's Act Four, and they're setting up the pieces for Act Five. All right, so let's talk about this reading for Act Five. The reading is okay. the, the reading is the same for this divine pairing as it has been for all the others. And here's the big quote. One will live. One will die. That's, that's pretty huge. Hmm. And you know, what it reminds me of, it reminds me of runaways, how runaways had this kind of lurking prophecy in the background from the TV where you can see in the future. Uh, and and the, you see buildings falling and yeah, we have this, this reading here. One will live, one will die. Mm. And will they, won't they, who's going to live, who's going to die? Is the divine pairing Tandy and Tyrone? Is Evita a part of this somehow? Is someone else a part of this? But the, just the idea of it is, yeah, we're in, we're in episode six. So yeah, we're, we're, maybe we should have gotten this earlier, but. Yeah, we've we've got this prophecy now that's going to hang over our heads as we watch it hang over Tyrone and Tandy's. That prophecy reminds me of Harry Potter because in that series there's a prophecy neither can live while the other survives. Which is well it doesn't it's not exactly the same interpretation. Uh but it turns out the Spoiler alert, if you have not read Harry Potter, uh, sorry, I just dropped my pen. Um, if you've read Harry Potter, you know, and if you've seen the movies, you know um, that both Harry and Voldemort, they at one point, both of them die or come really, really, really close to dying um, before the end of the series. Well, the other thing is this is classic 
well, classic storytelling, where you have the prophecy that on its face looks like it's saying one thing, Mm -hmm. but may not be saying that at all. And and so that's that's the whole, um, you know, Anakin will bring balance to the force. Well, yeah, just how? Yeah, he, he did, but it wasn't him. It was his son. You know, and, and even then, maybe not that. I mean, it's just how do you, you know, you have these prophecies that you can only interpret based on your your knowledge and, and your understanding. And so this is pretty, pretty specific. One will live, one will die. Um, but when? In, in the nursing home? Yeah. Um, I mean, was was Hess and Bowen, were they a divine pairing? And and one lived and one died, you know. I don't know. Well, I have hypothesized before that um, Billy was a black cloak, was the cloak before his brother Tyrone, and that Tandy's dad was a, the dagger side before Tandy, because neither one, neither Tyrone or Tandy exhibited either of these powers until that accident in the lake. And here's the other thing, though, is. Do they have had to have had these powers? Did the other divine pairings have powers? Or did they have different powers? Because they could be that role of, you know, the divine pairing without being cloak and dagger or having the cloak powers and the dagger powers. Um, so I'm very curious, though. I mean, they've, they've now built up a mythology uh, of these divine pairings in the past. I, I'm curious about these divine pairings of the past. Uh, we get to see these dolls on the shelf and they're all kind of created by the technology of that time. And the doll that represents cloak is the one that was made out of the 3d printer. Um, mm. And so, you know, it's missing its pair. It's missing the other, the other side, but it's possible. I mean, think about it. Um, could uh, Captain America and Tony uh, or Iron Man, could they be a divine pairing? Could. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. Uh, could. Uh, ooh, Daredevil and. Uh, oh, gosh. Who's his. The bad ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Foggy. <laughs> Electra. Foggy? Yeah, Foggy. Electra. Electra. Uh, could yeah. Daredevil and Electra be a divine pairing? Could. Yeah. I would say Yes possibly except this is a new orleans thing yeah it, it's, of course divine pairing that's that's another storytelling trope well yeah uh, yeah the, the the friendship or the romance that defies space and time so like yes. uh kirk it's yeah star trek reference <laughs> we've accomplished it <laughs> Stuart and it's it makes sense in the conversation we're not just shoehorning it um but Kirk <laughs> and Spock uh in no matter what timeline they're in there's that's a friendship that is going to happen and then they actually call it out in um the new movie where old Spock is like you know what that's th- this friendship was always destined to happen it's going to happen um yeah. but I have a couple books where you know, because of time travel shenanigans and alternate universes and things like that, where the Kirk and the Spock of the alternate universe somehow, um, you know, come in contact with each other. And then 
I, I just have a feeling that we're supposed to be friends, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I, in fact, I, Blackfire uh, and Time Trap, they, they both do that. I, <laughs> they're right there. I see them, read them in high school, love them. Um, my, my favorite Star Trek novels were always the, the time travel ones. So anyway, yeah, the, yeah you're right. I, yeah. <laughs> you're right about I've the, the read- story trope. Yeah. I've never read the novels, but all my favorite Star Trek episodes from any of the series is always the time travel episode. Well, they just do so much fun stuff with it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and a lot of them are just just the fun ones where they just get to have a lot of fun because the characters, you know, go into situations that are not just different for them because that's every episode. You know, they're on an alien planet or something, but they're in a situation that's different for them but familiar to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it fun. All right. So that is the divine pairing prophecy, the reading that we get. Um, we move to, well, let's do the more boring one, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, Mina visits her dad and Tandy has followed her. Now Mina has, oh, that was boring. Well, I mean, it's not as exciting as the the stuff going on with with the cops, is what I'm saying. True. Yeah. True. Because uh, this is just her. You know, they're, they're just talking. You know, um, we find out why Mina was being kind of elusive about talking about her dad, uh, and that's because Tandy can't talk to Mina's dad because Tandy's dad is not responsive. Uh, he is in uh, a home where he's being cared for, but. Um, He's he's essentially um, he's not he's not verbal. He doesn't seem to respond to um, what pe- what people are saying around him and to him. Uh, so Tandy followed, and Mina's all, "Why didn't you just tell me the truth?" And <laughs> Tandy's all, "Well, it never occurred to me." And I'm just like, "Mina, yes, you you are a good influence. You need to be her friend and be a good influence for Tandy." Um, so Tandy says, can I talk to him? She sits in front of him, touches the hand, and we see a door in the woods. And this door in the woods has one of those turning wheel cranks to open it. She reaches out to touch it, and a swirling darkness won't let her touch it. Oh, you know, that's not just a door with the swirly thing. That That's a hatch. Yeah. With the, yeah. the yeah, with the. Yeah. The wheel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A hash like you would get in a, um, I don't know, a, a ship or a, a ship submarine or, a submarine. or yeah. an oil rig. Yeah. Because uh, those, those special hatches, um, if once they're fully closed and locked, they're um, watertight or they're supposed to be. So if you have a, a really bad storm and you're on an oil rig. Yeah. And one section is a bit flooded. You can shut that and the rest of the rig or the ship um, is protected from that flooding. Uh, But this is kind of in the middle of a forest. Yeah. And so, I mean, but it's a dreamscape. Um, Somehow this is related to Mina's father's hopes, which was very interesting to me, you know, is this just the leftover hopes from when he was able to think clearly? Or is he just in a situation where he can think clearly but can't respond? Um, and so he actually is actively hoping this. 
Um, but it's very interesting because of the, the state that he's in. Um, what does it mean for the reading that she gets as she touches him? Hmm. Which, again, talking about magic, it feels like this might be a magic power. But what Tandy is doing is really um, science that we don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I think we're going to get into that in the next episode. Get into what? Get into what's going on with Ivan Hess. Well, M- Mina's father. Uh, it's a big part of the mystery now. I mean, this yeah. is, they are developing the mystery out for us and the revelations are coming. And, and yeah, I, I have a feeling we're definitely going to get more. Um, but I don't know well, what. I've, yeah. I've seen the preview for next and week. I, I so. haven't. Yeah. 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 So, um, all right. So Tonner, uh, Tonner, <laughs> Tyrone and Connors are now, those, those two storylines are coming together and O'Reilly, not O'Brien. Um, they're, they're all coming together here. So Tyrone is talking to Dwayne and Dwayne says, you always punched above your weight. I appreciate this. Um, but he lets it, drop that he was there when Connors killed Billy. And yeah, uh Tyrone's angry. He and rightfully so. He's I I thought I was crazy. And this is where now Dwayne realizes what's going on. He's like, "Yeah, you are crazy if you think you're going to play me to bust some cop because I survive. I'm like New Orleans. I survive." And uh and Tyrone, he's got some great digs, man. That cop's got you in his pocket, and he says, every day you kill my brother all over again. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, that's – again, going back to that guilt, um, Dwayne's been able to put it away, I think, maybe, because you can compartmentalize these things. You know, you can, you can take these things that you might feel guilty about. You might know you did something wrong, but you're able to compartmentalize. The, the human brain allows us to do this where you can push it away, push it aside – to where you're not even thinking about it. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> well, but yeah, things bring it back, you know, True. and, and this is um, where uh, Dwayne earlier said, um, where's the line? He says, whatever you put out comes back. It always comes back. And uh, this is it coming back. Dwayne has been able to push this aside, not think about what, the implications are of working with the cop who killed Billy. Uh, but it always comes back and this is it coming back. Yeah. Meanwhile, Connors is going to go in, you know, and uh, he tells O'Reilly, give me five minutes, then come in. And uh, so Dwayne sends Tyrone out the back. Um, Connors comes in. Talks to uh, talks to Dwayne and says, in a minute, cops coming through that door. I want you to shoot her. You have to do it because my hands are dirty enough. Um, I get the impression that Tyrone warns O'Reilly. But then I'm like, did he really warn her? Because she's going in anyway. Um, but she just walks straight in, walks through that door and just straight up shoots Dwayne. Uh, I mean, she knows what she's walking into. Uh, she shoots Dwayne Connors, then hears Tyrone yell, no, and Connors runs after Tyrone and 
this is where you know the, the drug dealer earlier didn't make him uh, teleport, but this is so much fun to finally see it happen. He's running. Every shot Connors takes, Tyrone disappears. The bullet, you you get the impression that the bullet flies through nothing, and then Tyrone's back, and then another fire, uh, another shot fired, and then he's back, and then this time instead of. Uh, as he's running, you know, down the alley, um, just showing up back in the alley. He, he then ends up back in the church and he just breaks down. He's just, he can't handle this anymore, uh, emotionally. And he just breaks down and, and Tandy wants to embrace him, but (laughs) wisely stops herself. Uh, she would definitely stop him from crying. I think if she were to embrace him, because there'd be an explosion and they both fly across the room and have to deal with that. But, um, yeah, it's a a really interesting, um, dynamic of these people who want to reach out to each other, but can't because they just, they can't, there'll be a literal explosion. We'll throw them away from each other. I wonder if when Tandy and Tyrone have, a really, really, really deep emotional connection that then they will be able to touch without causing a huge explosion. I am positive you are right. Yeah. Uh, we'll, I think we'll have to wait a while to see it happen. But I'm, Yeah, maybe about three or four seasons, maybe. <laughs> at, at least. How yeah. long does it take for a couple to get together on screen? Was it about three or four seasons? Yeah. It depends on the couple. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking with Jim and Pam, it was about four seasons, but with Ross and Rachel, uh, that was about two seasons, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think it depends on the story. Just today, I saw on Facebook uh, a post that it said, uh, Friends is the Nickelback of sitcoms. It kind of is. Yeah. But it's also, because of Netflix, it's also had a resurgence in popularity. Yeah. Because a new generation is discovering it. That's really unfortunate for that generation. And if you are of that generation just discovering friends, I apologize in advance for being of the generation that made it popular in the first place. Yeah. Well, I I liked that series, but now that I look at it, look back on it with it like a 21st century perspective, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I mean, Ross was really manipulative, and none of them are good people. No, none of them. I mean, but in the end, I'm like, well, I actually now my favorite couple is is um, uh, uh, Monica and Chandler, but they're not perfect, but they seem to be better people now that they're together and married. And yeah, 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 I'll give you that. Yeah, I I think their characters became better people once once they got together. I'll, I'll give you that much. Yeah. 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 Plus, the one where everybody knows is absolutely hilarious. I, they don't know that we know that they know that episode. I I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about with that episode. I watch Friends a lot now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's just nice to have it on in the background as noise. It's comfort so. food. I, I get yeah. that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the office for my wife is yeah. it's it's comfort food. She just puts that on and can zone out and then. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing there. <laughs> Anyways, back to Cloak and Dagger. I'm back sorry. to Cloak and Dagger. Um, 
it's just a tragic ending, you know, where he, he doesn't have anyone he can really turn to. Uh, yeah. At least now. I mean, right now he's not able to verbalize what's going on. And she's not able to care for him without verbalization. She can't touch. She can't put her hand on his shoulder. Uh, she can't hug him. She can't do anything. Um, so. Yeah. I feel but for he's, him. He's still processing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he just got shot at. I mean, I <laughs> I remember in, I guess it was eighth grade, seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh grade. I got chased through the school by a bully. Um, this kid, oh. this is the kid who punched me out in class once. And, um, well, he didn't punch me out, punched me. And I went down. I wasn't out. But um, in, in my, in, in all fairness, I, I did worse to him. I cut his knuckles uh, with my teeth when he punched me. But um, he was, he chased me all the way. It was after class had started. I was late to class for some reason. I can't remember what chased me out of the building, which was okay. My class was in a portable um, outside the building and chased me up the stairs. And I did this. I slid on the metal uh, porch of the thing slid under the railing and off the other side of the porch. And then that's when he decided to walk away. And I went into the classroom and I, I was so shaken. I just went in and just, the teacher said, are you okay? And I just broke down, you know, and, yeah. and it's just that the emotion, I mean, he just got shot at, uh, at least I think it was three times that he would have heard, um, the gun rapport. Um, and so he got shot at three times after Dwayne, Billy's friend got killed right in front of him by the cop that he trusted. Um, yeah, it's just, there's so much going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that was a lead too. So now he's lost this lead that maybe guilt would have been enough for Dwayne to help Tyrone. Maybe. Yeah. But we'll never know because the guy's dead. Yeah. Cause Tyrone was Dwayne's friend's brother. So uh, yeah. So they knock it out of the park again. Good job. Marvel Studios yes, and, and Freeform. Yeah. And now I know why this series feels like it's a net, one of the Netflix series because yeah. it's run by one of the same people. And yet it has its own personality too. That's the other cool yeah. thing. And I mean, uh, but most of the Netflix series have their own personalities, I guess. Um, maybe not as strong as some of the others, but um, yeah, none of them are really repeating each other too much. Uh, and this is Cloak and Dagger. It's its own thing. This is not Runaways, but only with two characters, you know, and it's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with, you know, all the spy stuff going on. And it's its own thing. And it's for what it is. It's really, really good. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah. All right. I'm bringing up some uh, listener feedback. Anything else you want to say? Uh, let's get to some feedback. All right. So Agent Dylan writes in and says, okay, so this is um, Cloak and Dagger timeline placement. Agents, I have determined the timeline placement for Cloak and Dagger. Nathan's badge was issued on March 30th, 2008 and was good until March 28th, 2010. According to Billy's obituary, he was 17 and born on August 1st, 1990. Since he couldn't have died before Nathan got his badge... This narrows the time of the explosion to April or July 2008. 
A newspaper appearing to be from May 23rd reporting on the incident suggests it was it happened on May 22nd, 2008. Now, for the present day, since Princeton offense was centered around state finals, I looked up when those were in 2016 in Louisiana, early March. This sets this before even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, according to my timeline, and thus well before Spider-Man Homecoming. Agent Dylan signing off. P.S. Hashtag trip lives. P.P.S. Hashtag Ruby lives. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I have to do it. Are you ready? Go ahead. Do it. Okay. The new prize winner of the day. All right. So, Agent Dylan, uh, you've probably gotten one of these before, or rather you have not gotten one of these before, and now you are not getting a no prize again. So, congratulations to you, sir. That was really good work. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. That is the kind of investigative reporting we like to see around here. So. All right. Good. So, it's not going to interfere with Infinity War. Not yet, at least. No. It, yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's the thing is all these things. Um, yeah, all, all of these are before infinity war. So yeah. all of the Marvel TV stuff is going to be before infinity War. all the Netflix stuff that comes out um, up until the point that Avengers four comes out is taking place before infinity war. So Agents of shield season five, it takes place right before infinity war um but i have a feeling that the, the other stuff we're watching right now is all you know a year or maybe more and and uh before that so i mean we'll just have to wait and see obviously so then we have a message from agent hank and he wrote in about uh princeton offense he says so now we are officially at the halfway mark of the season and the pieces are really falling into place and things are beginning to line up for the run to the end of an amazing first and hopefully not last season. I'm especially intrigued by the number of connections that Scarborough had, including Ty's mother mentioning him on her video call and the ways that Detective Connors is connected to Billy's friend. After last week, it occurred to me that setting this series in New Orleans is intriguing for reasons not just because of the exploration of the voodoo culture. New Orleans was the scene of one of the largest natural disasters in U.S. history, so this series is also exploring post-Katrina economics in the Crescent City. Specifically, I read recently about disaster economics and how often disasters allow governments and corporations, like Roxxon, will push through policies and laws that might not pass otherwise. Also, the U.S. will more often pay for recovery rather than invest in preventative infrastructure. This then results in a select few living in large houses in exclusive gated communities, while many others live in abject poverty. Billy's friend owns a business restoring, quote, storm-damaged homes, and commented how lucrative the business was. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the back half of the season explores these themes. Uh, then he talks about the uh, article that mentions Detective O'Reilly and Harlem. And he says, the thought that this was implied a connection between the Netflix series and Cloak and Dagger. O'Reilly mentioned that she used to work in, at, the Harlem at the Harlem Precinct, seeming to confirm this connection. While it seems to me that this episode may not be the most creative and serves primarily to set the stage for the endgame, this is, as I said before, one of the best series on a non-streaming platform. At the risk of offending some, the DC series on the CW 
are more comic booky, while the Marvel series, Agents of Shield, Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, and the Netflix series strike me as more graphic novelly. <laughs> I love this series, and I love your analysis. We'll check back in later, Agent Hank. I have to agree with him. Yeah. About the DC and Marvel series. Yeah. Well, and my really the only uh, the reference I have is uh, oh, Legends of Tomorrow and the early seasons of Green Arrow. And Legends, Legends of Tomorrow definitely had that issue by issue feel where, yeah, there's a connecting storyline, but it was issue by issue. Um, later seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and this, yeah, they do, they do feel like you're watching a chapter from a larger story rather than a single smaller story that connects into a larger um, kind of backdrop, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, but the Marvel I, stuff feels grittier. Yeah. I, and darker. Again, and I they, don't have much reference for that, but. Yeah, I, I don't have much reference for the DP, DC series, but I mean, a lot of really bad underbelly of the city sort of or underbelly of society things pop up more in the net or the in the Marvel series as opposed to DC. And I agree that this is this is just a really good superhero show. And the fact that it's on freeform, I, I wonder um, how many people are not watching this because of the network that it's on. And it's the same with Legion. I'm hearing good, good things about season two of Legion, but not a lot of good, good things from a lot of people, um, just from a, a very select few. And I wonder if it's partly the network. Yeah, I've, I've seen all of season two for Legion, and it's really good, but it's also very cerebral. And I feel like I need to go back and rewatch it again just to understand half of it. Um, but yeah, it's really good and really compelling. And I want to get on to season three, even though they haven't started filming it as of yet, as far as I understand. <laughs> well, and it hasn't shown up on Hulu yet. So that's what I'm waiting for is ah, yeah. I'm hoping, uh, season one, season one is still on Hulu, but I believe that with that, they were releasing the episodes one at a time along with the airing and and they, they didn't do that for this season. So, yeah. So hopefully it will be on soon. Yeah. Cause it was really, 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 really good. All right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's our episode. And, um, thank you very much for listening. And we just want to say again, um, we appreciate you listeners. We appreciate you following along with us. These shows, it's a lot of fun and hopefully it's a lot of fun for you as well. And if it is a lot of fun for you, um, you know, just like every single other podcast you listen to, although we don't do it in every episode. So there's that, but just like every single podcast you listen to, we do appreciate getting feedback in the form of good reviews on iTunes and that sort of thing. And so whatever you listen to us on, we would appreciate you leaving a good review for us. And, uh, you know, because it's nice. Uh, but even if you don't leave a good review, if you don't leave a review at all, we still appreciate you. And we're still glad that you're listening because you do make this worthwhile for us. 
And so I want to thank you for that. Uh, Samantha, any, any final words? Yes, I'd like to thank our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Trent, and Tassel. Thank you so much. We appreciate you too. Thanks. So um, here's here's uh, some things that people often ask me about is they, they, they want to know about learning how to podcast. And it's a dirty, dirty business podcasting is. It's it's rough. It's it's awful. It's it's like a swamp. And so if you're gonna podcast, you need a couple things. Microphone, computer, headphones, definitely headphones. If you don't have headphones, you need headphones. And anytime you get a guest on there, make them bring their headphones. Also, you're gonna need waiters, the good kind. Never cheap out on waiters. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. tell me that i needed waiters to be a podcaster i i just figured you knew i don't i'm sorry no one told me this i I mean my father used to be in radio he never mentioned it i mean he he told me about the pop screen i have one of those but it's just so yeah so you're not being splattered with my spit as i speak right it's just it's just plain standard podcasting equipment i'm i'm sorry um yeah. now you tell me because you know I've been standing here in water <laughs> and I don't like my feet being all squishy in my shoes. Waiters. Waiters. I wish I had known about this before. <laughs> so the other line I thought about using and yeah. it w- was uh just describing you and me having adventures and it'd be the further adventures of the scientist and the criminal. I love that line. That was really fun. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> so all right. Thanks, Samantha. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.